It's a really dangerous thing to ask the Holy Spirit to come and release, because he does. I think sometimes we get surprised by it. Like, well, that was wild. I don't know why that's wild. We serve a living God. I think in our best moments in the kingdom, all we are is facilitators of what's in his heart. That's well played. You're supposed to be able to have fun in church. I do feel like the Lord's doing something new in this house. I'm not totally sure what it is. I just have a clear sense that if allowed, his desire is to invade. And that if allowed is a really big idea. I don't think it's just about church. I think it's about each of us. I think it's about the moments in life we walk in. It's situations in the home. It's situations at work. But if we could just push pause for a second in those moments and say, Holy Spirit, would you come invade this moment? Put yourself on display. And we begin to step into an alignment with what he's whispering. That is normal Christianity. That is what Paul walked in. That's what Peter walked in. That's what the early church walked in was just this awareness of who the Holy Spirit was. Becoming friends with the Holy Spirit and intimacy and tenderness to where we could feel his movements. And we begin to release the things out of our mouth that he's whispering in our hearts. We begin to perform the actions he's calling for. From a biblical worldview, that's normal believing. Ironically, what's in my heart to talk about is being planted in our city with a purpose. If I say that phrase, everybody's like, oh yeah, it makes sense. I know I am. In our history at Vintage, we started, this, we started this church in 2010, and I sat with the Lord and just said, hey, you know, what are we to be about? And, it, and his answer was really funny. He said, don't worry about that. First three years is about you learning how to lead. At the time, I was like, that's awesome. Now I look back on it, I'm like, oh, you basically told me you don't know how to lead. I'm like, okay, cool. About three years into it, I would ask the same question of the Lord, and he said, I want you to rebuild the altar create a dwelling place for my presence. So we've been on that journey for seven years of just one pursuit. It's his presence. It's his glory. Almost to the point where I would say it's felt partial. It's felt like, man, I know we're doing the right thing, but it feels like there's more, but the Lord's just never released us to chase more. This last year, um, sometimes I'll get these just gut instincts where I get irritated or something's bothering me. Anybody ever have that where you have to go get along with the Lord, figure out what's really bothering you? So this one's been gnawing at me, and the, the question's been, if we closed up shop tomorrow, would anybody in the city know the difference? Now that's a giant question. That's a very deep rabbit hole to jump into. But it's been bothering me. 
and not bothering me like, bad Greg, more bothering me like, I think this question matters. I want to take us to Jeremiah chapter 29. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in verses 1 through 9. I think all of us would say we know that we're supposed to make an impact in the city we live in. How many would agree that that feels like a very churchy statement that matters? Say that with me. I am intended to impact my city. We all say that. We're like, yeah, that's good theology. I know that. My problem is I'm not sure we really know what that looks like. I don't know if we're aware of the Lord's perspective on how that happens, because if you grew up like me and you went through some of the discipleship training I went through, that means you go knock on doors and hand them a tract says, Jesus loves you. It means you stand aggressively against their stupidity and their sin, and you tell them they're going to hell. It doesn't work for the record, but... <laughs> But it means we have this very us-against-them mentality. We are the church. We pull inside. We're standing for righteousness. We're living in this immoral, godless. We, we get the diatribe that happens. It's not that I'm saying we don't live in an immoral culture. We do. But it's that the Lord has a perspective on what it looks like for us, the people of God, to live and impact our city. And I want to take us through it. Jeremiah will write this letter and it says in the first verse, Jeremiah wrote a letter from Jerusalem to the elders, priests, prophets, and all the people who had been exiled to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. This was after King Jehoiakim, the queen mother, the court officials, the leaders of Judah, and all the craftsmen had been deported from Jerusalem. He sent the letter with Elasa, son of Shaphan, and Gemariah, son of Hilkiah, and they went to Babylon as King Zedekiah's ambassadors to Nebuchadnezzar. This is what Jeremiah's letter said. The Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, sends this message to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Okay, let's do a little bit of logic. Who exiled Israel to Babylon? God did. It wasn't Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar thought it was him. But here's Jeremiah's word to the people. Actually, it was God who did it. Okay, why is that important? I think the first thing the Lord wanted them to know is, I sent you where you are. You're there by my hand and my choosing. So the first thing he's releasing to these people is an awareness that they should realize they are where they are because of him. Can I give you the obvious overlay? You and I are where we are because of him. It's not accidental that we're here. It's not because you landed the right job or you ended up knowing somebody and you moved to a city. It's because he, in his supernatural way, allowed what seemed to be natural reasons to plant you where he wanted you. Therefore, we handle ourselves and our future and our destinations very cautiously because we recognize that he has placed us where he wants us. I'm not just free as a believer to uproot and go unless he whispers to I want us to grab onto this idea when it comes to neighborhoods. I'm in my neighborhood because he put me here. Yeah, but you don't know the housing market. I can make a lot. Great. Don't sell your house unless you ask him about it. 
Don't assume you just get to choose your own adventure in life. This isn't, remember those novels where you could choose your own adventure and you could end the novel how you wanted and if you didn't like it, you went back and read a different chapter and it took you someplace else? Am I really that old that none of you know what this is? All right, great. The answer is yes, I am getting that old. But he says to them, I put you in exile. Okay, so if we lay that side by side with what Peter teaches, Peter says that we are strangers, we are aliens, we're actually not of this world. We're here temporarily in a condition of what we could call captivity. This isn't my home. I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm a child of God. This isn't really my president, not my king, all that, all the things you want to lay on it, but I've been invited by God to live and dwell in this place. And so I can take this this word to exiles and go, this word actually matches my situation because he's placed me where I am. Okay, so listen to what he says, because we're talking about, we're working towards the question of what does it look like to make an impact in our city from God's perspective? Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food you produce. Marry and have children, and then find spouses for them and have many grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away, and work for the peace and prosperity of Babylon Pray to the Lord for that city where you are held captive. For if Babylon has peace, so will you. So let's do some, let's do some replacement of words in this. Build homes, plan to stay. What does he mean? Set up shop. Love it. What a phrase. Can I just submit that he's talking about real estate? He's not talking about existential ideas of build a home. He's talking about build a home, like actually build a physical place to live. Why would you do that? What does it say when you build a home? What does it declare to the world around you? Besides, I'm smart with money. I'm here, I'm committed. In other words, get rid of this idea that this is a temporary place for you to be. Set up shop. Plan on being there a while. His declaration is build homes and plan to stay, which tells me the first thing we do and when it comes to impacting our city is arrest this idea in our mind that we're not going to be here very long. And we begin to take root, assuming He's placed me here and I'm not going anywhere else. Well, what if I want to go someplace else? Deal with that with him. The scriptures are full of people who, by God, were placed someplace they didn't necessarily want to be, and yet he used that very thing to bring glory to his name and bless their lives. I'm supposed to love my city. No, you're supposed to love the one that placed you there. And you're supposed to ask him to give you a heart for the city. Plant gardens and eat the food you produce. So talk to me about that. What's that speak to you? What is, what is required to plant a garden? Work. Work. Time. Intentionality. Sowing a seed. It's a process that doesn't happen immediately. What I see is a very clear invitation to think about the future of where you're at. 
I want you to put down roots personally, and then I want you to begin to work and till the soil and dig into the city I've called you to and plan on a harvest coming to you over time. Part of why we don't fall in love with our cities is we don't live into the context of what the scripture says for how we are to be in the city. This is a call to the people of God for how they are to handle themselves in the regions he's put them in. You say, what happens if I get this job invitation to go to such and such a city? Step one, sit with the Lord and say, do you want me to go? And if the Lord says yes, you take this idea and you go do it there. But if the Lord doesn't, you do it here. How many understand it is okay to hear the Lord say, nope, I want you in this city because I put you here for a reason? That all of us should assume that. I've sat with a lot of you and listened to stories about, how'd you end up here? I don't know. We just ended up in Fort Collins. Like, the Lord led us here. We don't even know. How, we, didn't, we had no idea. It's because he's amassing a people to do something he wants in a region. Revival comes first on the obedience of the people of God to begin to locate someplace, and then you can create a groundswell, and you can create a beachhead. You create a strength position in the kingdom where the Lord begins to move people in a direction together, but he does that by massing them together first. We're talking about what it looks like to, to contend for the move of God. The first step is understand you're planted with purpose in this city. He goes on and says, marry and have children. Let's just talk. What does marry and have children mean? It means marry and have children. It actually means God might be really excited about romance for you. If you're like, I don't know if I should get married. Yes, you should. It says right here, get married. Have children. And allow that little theological position to help you understand what God thinks is right for spousal connection. Just let that bomb drop in the room. Because <laughs> his heart cry in this, does any of this picture, let's ask this, does any of this picture seem like indentured slavery? It sure seems like he through Jeremiah is calling his people to just kill it in the city you live in. Live a fantastic life in the city you live in. Be blessed. And he goes on and says, after you've had your children, raise them. Hmm, that happens how quickly? Some of you are like, I don't know, it's 30, I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> it's a time issue, again. He's kicking the can so far down the line. He's saying, look, I don't want you even worrying about where you're at because I have a lifetime of things for you to do in this city. And after you've raised them, help them find a spouse and then tell them to have a lot of grandkids. Just look at this. is just what it says. And it begins to paint a picture that the king of glory is very interested in us, the people of God, settling into a region and kind of taking it over. We're setting up shop. We're building families. And I love this phrase. In case we didn't catch what he's saying, multiply. What does multiply mean? It means at least more than one. It's multiplication. 
Don't dwindle away. The word in the Hebrew here for don't dwindle away, the phrase means to do nothing but advance. I would say it this way. You and I do not have the right before the king to shrink back quietly. We've been taught by him through this that we are to not just be overcomers. We are to be a force to be reckoned with in the cities we live in. And I love this phrase in verse 7. Work for the peace of Babylon. I'll take us into that next week. But I want to go back on this phrase, multiply, do not dwindle. Because he's challenging his people to invest in building great lives in the city they live in. They are not to survive. They are to flourish. Let me restate it. You and I are not here to survive. We're not here to shrink back and just hold on until Jesus comes. That is not what's in his heart. It's interesting if we look at this this first thing that is being said here. Build homes, plan to stay. This, the word for peace that he's going to use through this context, it literally means to bring to completion or bring to peace through the addition or subtraction of things. It means we are to actively, aggressively be adding our lives to things to make the city better or we'll be, we're, we're going to contend against things to remove them from the city to make it better. We are called by God to have a deep passion for this city which doesn't, I don't, I want to be very clear. That can't happen if our view is I'm just going to hang on, just hold on for Jesus. It's us against them. There's no us against them mentality here. God says this to these people. Your captors are to be the ones you're investing in. Dig into this city. Take my kingdom. Take my purpose. Take my DNA and kill it. My hope in this is that there's entrepreneurial ideas. You have a dream going, I got this idea for a business. Great. Perhaps he put it there because he wants you to invest in the city so the city becomes fantastic. Because what he says later is if it goes well for the city you live in, it goes well for you. Please understand this. His heart desire for us is to bless us. You say, this is like prosperity doctrine. Prosperity is not wrong. It just needs to be understood. If you have a mentality that says, I will not suffer, I'm a child of the king, get over yourself. He used suffering all through the scriptures to teach his people about who he is. However, his heart desire, just like any good father, is to pour out blessing on you. Most of the times we walk unblessed because of our behavior, not his heart. We short circuit the kingdom process because we don't walk in alignment with it. You say, what do you mean? Okay, great. Let me give you a simple principle. The man that gives to the poor gives to God, and God will never allow himself to be held in debt. Great. So learn how to give, because there's a supernatural principle. When you give, the Lord pours back into your life. It's not a slot machine. It's just a reality. You can try to outgive God. It just doesn't work. That's just a single... Hard work brings prosperity. This is a Proverbs thing. Just step in and work hard. If you're lazy on your job, repent and change. Because it should be that we show up in the marketplace and we are so fixated and focused on being reflective of our king that we're the best employees anybody's ever met. We smile. We are cheerful. We don't need them to pick us up by the bootstraps. You'd be like, no, 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 no. I know you all need that, but I got somebody else who picks me up in the morning. I'm good. I can own my universe. See, this, this thing around me, that's mine and his, and I got this on lockdown. I'm here to be an asset to you, not to remove from you. 
This is the heart cry that Jeremiah gives. I know you're in exile. I know you're under the, the authority of ones that you don't like. Guess what? Show up and flourish. Get into the marketplace and flourish. Take this thing that he's put in you, which according to the scripture says, we have this certain treasure that's been hidden inside of us, and get out into the marketplace and let it loose. That's his heart cry. So we're going to have a few conversations over the next few weeks about what does it look like to be planted with purpose in our city? What does it look like for us to add and subtract from our city in good ways? What does it look like for us to figure out who he's called us to be? What's it look like to take over our neighborhoods? What's it look like to evangelize them through prayer before we ever open our mouths? Your smile might be the greatest evangelistic tool you've never used. You want to stand out in a world? Be happy. Just wait till they go, why are you so happy? I, I'm just in love with this one. Oh, no, I'm not on it. Okay, great, cool. You know what? Your life looks like it's awful. Maybe you could talk to me when you're ready. But I'm going to be here smiling at you until then. <laughs> the call of God on us is to step into this city. I mean Fort Collins. I mean Loveland. I mean Windsor. I mean the city you're planted in. And love it. Pour into it. But make an impact. My question is, if we, if we dissolved tomorrow, if you moved out of the city tomorrow, would people miss you? Would they say, oh, my world's not the same, they're gone? Because I believe that's his intention. Is that we are so deeply rooted that to get us out of the soil would leave a hole. Have you ever gardened? You ever tried to rip stuff out? How about we become kingdom weeds in Fort Collins? <laughs> Bind weed for Jesus. <laughs> Try to pull us out. Five more are going to show up. Let's stand. That's all you're going to remember. Bind weed for Jesus. <laughs> I want you to walk out of here feeling empowered and energized. You're not in this city accidentally. You're here because God's put you here because he has a dream to pour his grace through you and impact the world around you. He actually wants us to have great lives. If you're here, you're like, I've been thinking about buying a house. Great. Figure it out. It's a great investment. Do it. Because the scripture just said, build houses. Don't get too didactic. None of us know how to build. For the sake, sake of the city, we'll just buy. <laughs> but the principle is invest in the city he's put you in. Change your mentality. I'm here to be here. And I'm not just here to survive. I'm here to flourish. Now, it's not a really biblical reference. One of my favorite fighters from the UFC was Conor McGregor. And it's really around this one phrase. Wait, I, number one, I can grow a beard that looks like his, so I like that. <laughs> but I loved this phrase. I didn't come here to take part. I came here to take over. Church, if we could grab onto that idea for Jesus. I didn't come here to take part. I came here to take over and make sure you understood who my king is, who my father is, and what it looks like when his sons and daughters are fully surrendered. Lord, we love you. We honor you. May your face shine upon us this week. Holy Spirit, my heart cries that you would take this thing. 
And you do what only you can do. You breathe on these seeds and you begin to awaken a dream and a, a hope for this city in us. You begin to awaken business ideas. You begin to awaken relationships and neighborhoods. You begin to give us things to stand for, to stand against. Lord, we, we, Jeremiah, and Isaiah makes a statement. He says, here I am, Lord, I'm ready. Send me. That's my heart cry. Lord, it's time. We're here not just to be a church. We're here to be your church in this city. To be part of the fabric of all the different sons and daughters of God around this city. But to take our place. We love you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.